Come on, Miss B, Grandma B, Granny B. King's kids, if you are in second grade on down and you'd like to be dismissed to junior church, now is your moment of freedom. <clears throat> so excited. All right, they're teaming up. They're picking teams as they go. <laughs> Ms. Jerrica, do you need a sidekick? All right, just making sure. Awesome. Another one down. Wow, they're falling. No school shoes sometimes. Takes a little getting used to. All right, open to Proverbs 22. Get ready to follow along. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. She's on fire. Hold on to your seats. Proverbs 22. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he, was old, when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Cast out the scoffer, and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. The lazy man says, there is a lion outside. I should be slain in the streets. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you? Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts, if you have nothing which which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Proverbs 22. God, we come to you with needy hearts this morning. We need help managing our lives. 
managing our money, managing our kids, our jobs, balancing out what is most important instead of what is most urgent. We need your book, we need your words to give us the wisdom we need so we can focus on the weightier matters of the law, practice righteousness and justice and mercy, and also know the right moment and time for our sacrifices, our gifts, and our generosity. This world is a difficult and dark place sometimes, God. That's because we are a difficult and dark people. So use your word this morning, we pray, to give us some light and some hope and encouragement to just keep trusting you being faithful to you no matter what is going on in our homes, in our marriages, in our hearts, in our schools, in our jobs, in our, in our sports, in our band, in, in everything, in all the many things that can be set on fire and burned to the ground. Let our faith always rise. We will trust you, God no matter what, no matter what consequences we have to pay for the things we've done in the past, no matter what the fallout is in relationships when we decide to do the right thing. Help us, please. We have so many needy people here today. Open your word to our hearts that we would not just read and listen and take notes and go do the same dumb thing tomorrow. And the change we are asking for is the change that only you can bring. Not a change in our wealth or our health, but God, a change in our spirit and who we are. Help us make decisions today to follow you for the rest of our lives no matter what. to be willing to let go of the many, many things that we hold on to, kicking and screaming like they're ours. Because they're not. We need you, God, to show up. We need the wisdom of your book and your spirit to penetrate our hearts today. We need you bad. We have no idea how to handle some of these circumstances. We have no idea. 
how to pray for all the prayer requests that we have. With many words we come before you, God, but also today we come to you with our hearts and say, Abba, Father, comfort us and remind us that you are God no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. We come to you in the name of Jesus and ask for your help. Amen. Title today is Context, Context, Context. I learned that from a real estate agent who said the three most important things about a house are location, location, location. In your spiritual life, it's context. When you're reading the Bible, it's context. When you're applying the Bible to yourself, it's context. Proverbs has a lot to say about life and wisdom and the fear of the Lord But context, context, context are three critical words for gaining wisdom. And critical is not an exaggeration there. You cannot absorb and understand God's wisdom without understanding who it's for and why God gives it and the circumstance under which he gives it. Wisdom is not just some magical cookie jar out there, and if you find the right formula and the right way to do things, that it's going to happen. God is not formula-driven. Faith is not like that. It's way more organic. So context is the bigger theme of the sermon this morning, because we've I've had to spend a lot of time as we've gone through Proverbs explaining a lot of Proverbs, um, how they apply, how they don't apply here, how they do apply here, and how they're about the heart and about the mind. And the reason I keep doing that is because of this, and it just, it all came to a head in this chapter for me. As I was trying to figure out what do I preach from Proverbs 22 without preaching the whole thing, amen. It just... Don't ask for that, Roy. You'll get it. I'll show up to your house and give you the the second sermon. This is is the gift that keeps on giving if you need it. I'm not coming to Nebraska, so you're safe for the week. So what I'm going to do is teach you a little bit about hermeneutics this morning and then power through several of these Proverbs without giving you maybe the complete answer on what that proverb means to you, but at least helping you step back and see that you've got a lot to learn. In theology, uh, they call this the literal, historical, grammatical approach to reading Scripture. Literary approach, just like we read other pieces of literature and we understand figures of speech, similes, metaphor, we allow the Bible to also have figures of speech. So sometimes what it says, it does not literally mean. 
because it is written to people who understand. There's a literary context. Get off my back. I can say that to you even if you're not on my back. The Bible has a lot of things to say that if we take them at face value, we miss what it's actually saying. So we have to read the Bible with an understanding of literature and how languages work. Then there's the historical context. You have to understand who this was written to the first time and what it meant to them long before it could mean anything to you. The grammatical approach means we value the individual words and the sentence structure that God put down in the Bible. A good example of that is in some of the epistles, there are some sentences that are started with the noun. Noun. So that you know the emphasis of that sentence is the noun, the first word. And if somebody comes along and preaches a sermon about the third or fourth word and makes that the emphasis of that verse, you've missed the grammar that God laid down in the Bible. He's emphasized a certain word sometimes. Now step back. That doesn't mean you have to go to seminary. But it does mean you need to slow down and ask really good questions about what you're reading. We're gonna get this at the end. Don't write it down yet, you cheaters. Not every command in the Bible is for you. Okay? So which ones are for me? How do I figure it out? Discernment. How do I get discernment? Wisdom. How do I grow in wisdom? You fear the Lord. You focus on relationship and relationships with God's people that we begin to make our way through life. Look at verse one. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Number one, that is always true. Write that down. That is always true. It is always true to be a person of character and reputation, positively. That's more valuable than money in the bank. That's always true. Proverbs 19.22 says it like this, it's better a poor man than a liar. Proverbs 17.1, better is a little with peace than much with strife. The Bible makes a huge emphasis that your character and who you are is more important than what you do and what you have. Because that gets a lot closer to the way God sees you, who you are. Verse two, the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. That is eternally true. The rich and the poor will all die and have to stand before God. That's an eternal truth. It is appointed unto a man once to die and then face judgment. The Lord is the maker of them all. So who has the final word? God does. That is an eternal truth. God's timing is eternal. His perspective is eternal. And we don't always see life that way. It's a good reason to keep reading the Bible. It gives us his perspective, reminds us that there's more to life than just this little sliver of now that we live in. Verse three, the prudent, another word for the wise man, 
the prudent, sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. What would you say about that one? Is that always true? You think that's always true? That the wise always and forever see danger and hide themselves. Is that true? Do you think? No, not always true. But it's in the Bible. Yeah, it is in the Bible. But I know how to read the Bible. It does not clearly say, here's a promise from God to you. If you will, blah, 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 then he will, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say that. This is not a formula. This is not a promise. These are Proverbs. This is wisdom from a father to his son. The father happens to be a king, and he gives a lot of good wisdom to his princes or princesses if you're going there too. But it's not always true. It's a general observation. Wise people don't see and avoid all dangers. And the opposite is also true. The simple and the foolish do not always fall into danger and suffer immediately for their foolishness and sinfulness, right? Sometimes people get away with it. Sometimes the wrong person gets punished. Now, there's a lot of wisdom and thinking, looking for danger and avoiding it. But this is not always true. Verse four, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Uh, we want this one to be true all the time. Do we? Tricky one here. Write this down. True for Solomon. Solomon has direct promises from God through David that if he will continue to humble himself, fear the Lord, keep the covenant, God will bless him with riches and honor and life, long life. He has, he has a direct promise. Oh, and by the way, this book is written to who? His sons. This is true for them too but not for you, not for you directly. The reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Then why have some saints been burned at the stake? Then why have some believers lost their lives? Then why have some believers in history been dishonored and spit upon and stoned. It's because this is a general observation through Solomon on the promises that God has given him and his family line. Now, as a general observation, sometimes if we live in a state of humility and we fear the Lord, he brings riches and honor and life to us. But that, that is by no means the norm. But it should have been him and his sons and his son's sons he had an amazing promise can you just 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 think about for just a second what your family would look like 
if you had that promise on the books? You think you'd bust out a few journals for your son or your daughter? Be like, listen, get it together. <laughs> this, listen to this promise that God gave us. He already showed up with David. He's showing up with me. Like Solomon can tell his son, God came to me in a vision and told me this. If I will live in humility and follow the covenant and we will have one God only, only him will we serve and we will maintain worship at the temple and, 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 boom. And God did give him riches and his sons. If you want to write to the side there, it's in 2 Samuel 7, 16, that God gives that promise. 2 Samuel 7, 16, God says, your house, your kingdom will be sure forever. In 1 Kings 3, 14, he says, God says, if you walk in my ways. Ooh. There were conditions, so it's true. True for Solomon. Drop down to verse 6. This is a common one we like to claim. Verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Write this down. Not always true. There's this little thing called sin. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. This is a general observation. It doesn't mean you can't pray for this, hope for this, but it does mean you can't name this as a promise from God to Christian parents. You and the way you raise your kids does not determine whether or not your kids follow Jesus. We get that, right? So this is not a promise. The little boogers have to choose God on their own. They have to make their own decision. You can influence them. You can guide them. You can shape them. Your kids, your grandkids, other people's kids. There's no telling how many treasures there are in heaven piled up for Miss Terry. She's guided and taught so many of our kids, right? Like her kids grow up, move out, get married, have more kids. That's the way that goes. And she's just like, I'm not waiting. I'm gonna, I'll take care of everybody else's kids. So here she is trying to, she's training up more and more. It's, it's not even just about parenting. Do you get that? It doesn't say parents. It just says train. Teachers, that's an awesome responsibility. Train up a child in the way they, they should go. And when they're old, they get to choose whether or not they'll depart from it. But here's an interesting thing. That verse can swing both ways. You train a child to depend upon others to provide everything they want, and when they are old, they might become entitled and expect everyone to keep serving their every whim. This is a, this is a general observation, that if you guide and teach and influence a child in the way they should go, Odds are pretty good. They could end up following that. Yeah, that looks good. Choose it. You allow a child to, to just go wild and grow up any way, any which way, that way will become the wild way when they're old and they're probably not going to depart from it. Time out. 
except for Jesus. Jesus can intervene in any person's life, no matter what they have done, save them, redeem them, change them, and put them on a new course. If this was a promise, then Jesus is powerless. It's not a promise. This is a general observation. God holds the final say in all things. So, so see it that way. What is this sermon about? Context. Context. Verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Do the rich always rule over the poor? I don't know. I haven't seen that. Does the borrower always a slave of the lender? I'm going to put uh, usually true on this one just because I'm not familiar with every circumstance. I'm sure there have been some rich fools who missed the opportunity to rule over the poor or some rich fools who uh, just gave up and let somebody else run everything for them. But I see the point. The people with a lot of money have power over the people who don't. And I see the second point in the second part of that verse. When you borrow things from people, they have a leverage over you. When you sign contracts and you're making payments for things month after month, year after year, decade after decade, they legally have a right to place a lien on your house when you don't make a payment, to repo your car when you don't make a payment. They, it's, it's never yours until it's yours. It's somebody else's, and they have a leverage, and you're slave to their will. Your bank can call in all your loans at any moment they want. It's in the fine print that you didn't read when you signed the contract. If they're shaky, banks are failing around the nation, and they decide they can call in your loan, pay in full by Friday, or you're out of that house. They have outs on everything. That's why the buildings downtown are bigger than everything we own. They are smart. They have an out. We are serving them if we owe them anything. Don't be a person who borrows. Be a generous giver. And I turn that another way too. Don't be the kind of person who lends things out to people. Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll lend you that, pay me this. Don't be, don't, don't be that kind of a person. Be, if you have something, give it and count it as gone. Boy, that will set your heart free. Your neighbor wants to borrow your leaf blower. As soon as you hand that to your neighbor, just tell yourself, I'm gonna be okay if I never see that again. Because if, if in your heart you don't release it to them, you're going to be bitter and angry and you're going to be thinking about it nonstop. Now they're just, they're, you're going to see them leave it on their porch. You're going to leave them, see them leave it in the rain. You're going to see them loan it out to somebody else. You're like, what is good? That's lending. Don't be a lender. Just give. Hey, if they bring it back the next day, Wow. What a neighbor. <laughs> and if they don't, so be it. And there's a third option there. Because you, you could say no. That's, and that's the other option. Can I borrow that? No. But there's a third option. 
let me go do it. And never let go of that leaf blower. <laughs> when you're done, you take it home and you put it back where you found it, right? Like there are, there are other ways to do it. Um, or, you know what? Merry Christmas. I'm gonna go buy you a used leaf blower off of Facebook Marketplace. Live long and prosper. There are lots of ways to get around that, to be generous. You don't always have to be generous on the needy person's terms. That's, that's a big one. Sometimes what people ask for is not always what they need. And it takes some wisdom and discernment and, and thoughtfulness to help meet needs. Um, but this, this verse is usually true. And the Bible has a lot to say in other places about work and lending and giving, but not today. Verse 8. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. I would say not always true. Sometimes people do unjust things and they never get caught and they get away with it. For centuries even, governments and groups of people can get together and hurt and do injustice to other large groups of people and, and and live and, and die and live and die. For generations, they could do things terribly. But they will face calamity when they face God, right? Like there's, there's always the God out. You add him to all of these, and sometimes it's not usually true, and then, oh yeah, well, it's going to be true eventually. There's going to be hell to pay for injustice and unrighteousness. And the rod of his fury will fail eventually, but not always true. Not always true in our lives. Verse 10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out. Quarreling and abuse will cease. Not always true. Sometimes you drive out the scoffer and another one takes his place. Sometimes you drive out the scoffer, they climb in through the window. Sometimes you drive out the scoffer and they left notes and emails and posts. and uh, It's hard. It's hard to drive them out. And will quarreling and abuse ever completely cease? Even in a home where people love each other, there are going to be disagreements. We can't expect everything to always be at peace. That is a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Not always true. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. And for this one, I would say eternally true. On so many different levels, as we read through the Proverbs and as we read through all of the Bible, sometimes the truth at hand is for the person in the story. Sometimes the truth is for their kids. Sometimes the truth is for that nation of people. Sometimes that truth is for that period in history. Sometimes that truth is in God's hands. It's not going to ever make sense until he takes charge and settles it. And all of those truths are blended together in your Bible because the Bible, and it is, I don't want to say difficult. I want to say complicated. Complex, that's a better word. It's complex. It has all these different parts moving in different ways, all heading towards the same destination, glorify God and make much of him forever. But how it gets there, it gets there in such a way that it covers every little nuance 
and crevice that could ever possibly happen in our lives. Well, what about searching on Google? No, that's not in the Bible. But there's a lot in here about discernment, guarding your eyes. There's in here a lot, there's a lot in here about not bowing down, not worshiping what the world is worshiping. There's a lot in here that gives me the context through which we can look at all of life and find what we need. Keep reading. Keep reading. Pray over what you read. Write down the things. Uh, start a journal of questions. Verses I don't get. Verses I love. Verses that I want to be true of me. Verses I do not want to be true of me. Like, there's so many things we can, we can take this word and, and dive into it and make it a part of our daily routine. If God's word is not a part of your daily routine, then he's not. This is the way he's chosen to reveal himself to us, primarily and secondarily through the way we love each other. We love our neighbors. We need all of it working together. Look uh, at verse 17. My Bible has bold print above verse 17. It's got like a, a little title there. Does your Bible have a break at verse 17? What, what does yours say, Ethan? 30 sayings of the wise. Does anybody else have something different? Words of the wise. Mine says words of wisdom. Anybody else? Your Bible have a little break there? Does it have any kind of notes, any study notes? There is grammatically a very clear break in the Proverbs right here. The Proverbs just finished a chapter in the middle of your chapter. <laughs> just so you know. There, there should be a hard line right there. Again, when these were all written down, they were just line after line. There were no verse numbers. There were no chapter numbers. It was just lots of Proverbs. We've divided it up so we can turn the pages and look things up really neatly, right? Because we're super organized like that, but we miss things. In verse 17, there is a shift in the book of Proverbs. From chapter 10 to here, we have been dealing with a lot of couplets. But now we're shifting from couplets to statements or phrases. Some of the phrases, the 30 sayings of the wise. Good job, Ethan. That's a good Bible. 30 sayings of the wise. Some of those sayings are going to be one verse. And some of those sayings are going to be five verses, maybe seven verses. There's a shift in Proverbs that just happened. Did, you, did anybody even notice that? I didn't notice it the first time. I just keep reading. I'm just reading Proverbs. But then I like three or four, you know, you get, you get towards the end of chapter 22 and it says like verse 22, do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate for the Lord will plead the cause. And it's longer. Like what happened to like, cha-cha-cha, cha-cha-cha, right? That was that, the Proverbs that we know and love. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. Like those are the couplets, little pairs of sayings, right? It's changed like, whoa, context. Why would he change these things? What are these 30 sayings about? Could I go back through Proverbs and put every single proverb into a category of one through 30 and they would fit? 
a marriage category, a money category, a child-rearing category, a kingly category. Oh, I'm telling you, this is written on a level that will blow your mind. Purposeful. It's intentional. It's trying to cover every aspect of your life. It's ancient, but our lives haven't changed that much. We still have people problems. We still have family problems. We still have interrelational, intergenerational problems. We still have money problems. We still have all the same problems they had. We have. Maybe we've made it worse. Proverbs speaks to the deepest issues of life. But here's the thing. You can't go to Proverbs looking for the answers. (laughs) It's written in such a way that it's going to show you how you need to change. It's going to show you what your problem is, not what everybody else's problem is. It's aiming for your heart. So from couplets to statements, and that's the, that, the 30 sayings go from 22-22 to about 24-22. Uh, so the next couple of weeks of sermons are going to have to, I'm going to have to find a phrase or a section or a topic in those and roll with them. And there are a couple of really good ones. And then after 24-22, kind of picks up with the couplet theme again. There are some other titles. Pay attention to the notes in your Bible. Pay attention to the titles that are in your Bible. It should give you a little help. All right, pop quiz. What are the three most important words to remember when you're reading your Bible? All right. Now, write that down in the next blank. Context, context, context. Above the first context, I want you to write the word world. There is a context that includes all of humanity. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That applies to everybody. Then above the next word context, write culture. There are things specifically in your American understanding of life that need to be dealt with, that need some different Bible answers than somebody from China or South Africa might need, or explained in a different way, because we also see not just, the, not just the world context, but there's a cultural context of our language, of our shared cultural understandings, you know? And our culture, if there's a picture of two tall buildings burning, we have a stamp in our mind. We know, we think, we remember. That doesn't apply to all cultures. So we have, we have a lot of things that we have culturally in, in common And when we come to the Bible, we need to understand the Bible's written in different cultures. And it's going to take a little bit more work to understand how these truths in this culture apply to me and my culture. And then above the other word context, it's just your life. Even though you've got other people around you, man, there is this part of you that is this wide. I should say this wide. The way you think and the way you see the world is unlike anybody else. Ever. And so sometimes the way God's word works on somebody else is going to be a little different than how it works on you. And what you feel like God is telling you to do is going to look a little different sometimes than what God has told your parents to do. 
Now, a lot of these truths all stack together and they fall together in a nice, nice, beautiful form of working together and loving one another. But have some grace with people who think differently than you and see the world differently from you and see your country and your culture different from you and see different from you. Peace, patience. So what is the purpose of all this? Next blank. God's word guides his people to his will for his glory. The Bible is designed to point us to God. So remember, all the people that have been involved in writing God's word, all the people that involved uh, in putting, putting pen to paper, all the people that have been involved in copying it, preserving it, all the history and all the different circumstances that were involved as these stories unfolded and as these people lived their lives, as they exercised faith, as they, as they sinned and the sins they committed, all of it has a, has a historical context. All the different promises to different people at different times under different needs. All the covenants, all the exceptions but all the grace and all the forgiveness, it comes together. Is that too much of me to ask of you? Is that too complex? And I say, no, you have a lifetime to learn it. Get busy. We fritter away many, many minutes, many, many hours, many, many days of our lives on things that are not eternal, you can trust God. Investing time in his word, investing time in prayer is not a waste of time. How do you want God to know you? A good name? Are you choosing that rather than great riches? Are you choosing favor? Whose favor? God's favor. Are you choosing God's favor as better than silver or gold? When I take these Proverbs and I cast them into the vision of who God is and what he expects, it goes way beyond me and my neighbor. Original context, next blank. The original context plus your context will give you the grace for today that you need. That's where we're headed. We read a lot of Proverbs. We talk about what they meant we read a lot of Proverbs. We see what they mean in today's life, in my life, in my context. And that, that doesn't give me something to do. It gives me somebody to be. That's what it's aiming for, changing who I am, not just changing my actions, changing who I am. That's the grace I need for today. And personally, I'm looking over at verse four. I want verse four to be not just true for Solomon, I want that to be true for me in, like a, in a cosmic and eternal sense. I want to learn humility. I want to grow in the fear of the Lord so that God is my great treasure. God is my great treasure so that I honor and place God first and foremost and he in turn then honors me as his well done good and faithful servant. 
That's the honor we want. The life, I, I don't want to live on this planet forever in the way that it is. Long life, can that also be a curse? Long life, what about eternal life? I want that to be true on a cosmic and eternal level. God is my treasure. My life has honored him. And the life I now live is hidden in Christ. So grow your fear of the Lord. I remember remind you of Jesus' words in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. That kind of makes it simple. As you read this book, please don't read this book like you read every other book. Not every promise in this book is yours. Amen. There are promises of damnation and suffering in this book. Not every promise in this book is for you. That's a good thing. Not every spiritual gift is for here and now. Disclaimer. God can do today what God has always done in the past. He can do anything he needs to do at any moment in time, but he doesn't do it according, he doesn't do his greatest stuff according to our giftings, like what we can do or what he's enabled us to do. He does stuff by what he wants to do on his agenda. Context. He hasn't always done things the same throughout history. Have you not read the book? He's done things different through every period of history. We're in a different period of history. He could be doing things differently. Looks like he is. And the last one, not every command is meant for you. So don't get hung up on the ones you don't get. Oh, this is a big one, youth group. When you read the Bible, don't focus on what you don't understand. Focus on what you do understand. Do you know what it means to speak the truth? Do you know what it means to honor your father and your mother? Do you know what it means to be generous and kind? Do those things. Yeah, well, what about when the Bible talks about like baptism for the dead? And what's this thing about some are going to be snatched up and some go back in three years and seven years and 20 years and 100 years? Like, what about that? How did Jesus do that 40 days and 40 nights? Like, there are so many things you could get hung up on in the Bible that aren't clear, focus on the ones that are clear. Forgive somebody today. Put away all wrath, bitterness, envy, and strife. Those are the weightier matters. Bring some donations so we as a church can do what is right and just for needy people in Enid. Let's let's focus on those things the things we do understand. As we continue to go through Proverbs, be encouraged and be lifted up that God is for you, not against you. When you get something, get it. If you don't, dig, look, and search. Let's stand and pray. Stop coming to the Bible looking for specific answers and start coming to the Bible looking for God. I'm trying to teach myself that. Uh, people come to me with a lot of problems. There are a lot of, 
a lot of things and issues in people's lives. And I find myself going to the Bible looking for a lot of specific things. When we need to take the time to go to the Bible without that kind of agenda and look for God. Bow your head and close your eyes with me. God, help us to stop going to the Bible so we can fix other people. Help us as we read our Bibles to see, to see that in every story, I am the villain. In every story, I'm the prodigal running away from what I should do. And in the same story, I'm also the older brother who's ticked off when, when other people get forgiven and don't suffer for what they've done. I can be self-righteous. God, in every story, help us to see that we are not knights in shining armor. We are peasants covered in muck. But you are a good king. We bring our hearts to you because everything we own is soiled and filthy rags. So we give you ourselves. We thank you for the forgiveness that is in Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I, I don't wonder, I know some of you are dealing with some heavy things. Give those things to God right now. Release them. If you have something that needs to be done, then do it. If you have someone you need to forgive, then forgive them. But if you just have to sit back and suffer the consequences, do it without grumbling and complaining. But look for a way to serve somebody. Everyone in this room is going to have a chance to serve somebody this week. You have a really good idea of where you will be tomorrow. Who can you serve at school? Who can you serve at home, at lunch, or at dinner? Who can you serve in your neighborhood? Who can you bless with an encouraging word? Who can you bless at work? Who can you serve? God, we bring our messy lives to you this morning, and we ask you to Make us the people you want us to be as we sing about it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul, friends may fail me, fools assail me, He, my Savior, makes me whole.
Yes, what a help in sorrow While the hills o'er me roam Even when my heart is breaking Me, my comfort helps my soul Saving, helping, keeping love to the end. Benediction for today comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.